Welcome back to the Insurance Business Babes podcast, where we show you how we've grown our insurance and related businesses through talking about what works for us, what doesn't work, and will help you grow your own business because you can start using what works for us in your own business today. This show is owned by CMED LLC and hosted by Kathy Klein and Joanna Wyckoff. Hey, welcome back to the Insurance Business Babes podcast. Last week, we talked about LLCs and why they're important, and Joanna scared the heck out of me thinking, <laughs> I, won't, I won't have, nobody will be able to do anything with my business. But that's not what I thought LLCs were all about, and that's why I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't urged to get one. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to that episode that we put out last week. Go ahead and grab that episode and, and hear why you need an LLC. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about how to start an agency. And the agency is is key. That's kind of the next step. And how to work with LOAs, how to get an LOA, etc. So Anna, thank you for coming back on the show and talking to us about agencies today. Yes, one of my favorite topics of building a business. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we have a Facebook group called Medicare Mentors Media and another one called the Insurance Ladies. And this asked questions are asked all the time. How what's the difference between an independent agent and an LOA? LOA means licensed only agent. For those who are listening, we have acronyms up the yin-yang in the insurance world. Yes, we do. What's the difference? How do I know if I am one? And if I'm if I'm an agency owner, why would I want one? And how? what are the steps to get one? So we're going to break it down to you today. Let's first discuss the difference, Kathy, between an independent agent and a licensed-only agent. Okay? The first thing is... An independent agent, they can work for any company of their choosing, and they're responsible for running their business by themselves. So they're responsible for doing their lead searches, paying their own taxes. They have to make the phone ring. They have to do the application. They have to follow up. They have to do the customer service. They have to hunt it, kill it, cook it. And eat it. Uh, and then clean up and do the dishes. And then clean it up. That's right. That's right. And and then make sure that there's babies out there that you could still hunt, eat, and fish. Yeah, that's a good analogy, Kathy, of what an independent agent does. I think the hardest part in the insurance industry and in what we do in health insurance and Medicare and life is getting the phone to ring or getting people to answer the phone. I think it's the hardest thing. Because once you have somebody in front of you, I can I can help you sell them. But prospecting is really, we're insurance agents, Kathy, but I spend probably 99% of my time doing the marketing and prospecting to get that person to sell them an insurance policy. Nobody told me when I was getting licensed to sell insurance and make $1,000 a day that I was really getting into marketing. Nobody told me that. 
I was the shyest person in the world, scared of my own shadow, didn't want to talk to anybody. Nobody told me I was going to have to talk to people. <laughs> and, and it's different when you're reaching out to people versus inbound only. So that's what an independent agent does. They're responsible for their own training. There's nobody really there that's going to really hold your hand and micromanage you and ask you, hey, did you do your Blue Cross training? Did you check this box? Did you open up your email? Like, There's nobody supervising you, really. Double-edged sword, isn't it? So, like for people like me, it's great. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Yeah. But if you've never worked for yourself before, well, it's really hard. How do you know what to do when you get up in the morning? There is there is a what we call an upline or a mentor who gets paid to do some level training. And that's what I do. But all of my agents are 1099 to me. I don't check in on them and say, hey, Kathy, what did you do this morning? Did you call anybody? I don't. I'm not doing that. I'm there to support them and answer their technical questions. Like, I'm in a house. What should I do? I'll answer those type of questions. But I'm not checking with Kathy. And Kathy doesn't work with me, by the way. But I'm not checking with Joe and saying, hey, what did you do from 8 to noon? They're not my employee. I don't have the right to ask exactly. them. They're 1099. 1099 means they're a contractor, you know, they can come and go. They can not do anything. They can be everything. They can watch TV all day if they want. They could. Their, their commission check will reflect that. Right. As 1099, you eat what you kill and hunt and, and, and flay. And there's no, there's no salary. There's no benefits. You have to find your own benefits. Like nobody gives a 1099 agent health insurance. There's no 401ks that company's going to match, right? Now, are you 1099-ing them or are the insurance ag agencies 1099 So the insurance agencies are 1099 I'm sorry, insurance carriers are 1099 I'm sorry, carriers, mm -hmm. yeah. Actually, technically, the insurance carriers 1099 everybody. It's assignment of commissions that changes the next step. When somebody comes to work with somebody like me, all of my agents are vested day one. Their, their money does not touch my hands, right? They get paid direct from the company. What they, what they wrote, they eat, right? Now, if I was to open up a brick and mortar shop and have you know somebody in offices answer the phones and stuff, there's a different type of model, the LOA model, license only agent, where people can build a business and those LOA agents, usually, Kathy, they don't want to hunt filet, do the dishes. Usually an LOA agent wants to answer the phone, sell the product, hang up. And usually there's a different department that does the customer service. Well, they don't even, they don't even have to service the client. It's, they're going to talk to them when they sell them. And that's probably the last but time they'll talk to can, them. Agencies can be built differently. Some might do their own customer service, but I had one of my first agents that I trained as a 1099 agent, he decided to go work for a carrier, right? He works for a carrier and he was with me the last week at AUP, his internet at his house went out. And so he's oh, like, no. hey, Joanna, can I come over and, and use your Wi-Fi? I was like, sure, no problem. Right you on. know, he is what they call an LOA agent to the carrier. He's answering inbound calls all day long. He's not hunting. He's not fishing. He's oh, not wait, he works, he works for the carrier. Yeah, as a captive. Mm -hmm. Oh, captive agent. Oh. Very similar, Car carrier agency. He's captive to one company, right? But 
he's just answering the phone. If somebody says, I didn't get my insurance card, that doesn't go to him. That goes to customer service, right? If someone says, I have a claims issue, I don't think that I went to this doctor on June 5th or whatever. That doesn't go to him. He doesn't deal with that. So it's really easy for an LOA agent to have a thousand or two thousand clients. Yeah. And it's really easy. You'll see on Facebook groups where people say, Oh, I was a top agent at my agency. I wrote 350 clients this past open enrollment, annual enrollment period. And all of my downline will be 350. How did they do that? That's like 15 people a day. How do you do that? How do you drive to 15 houses a day? Or, And I was like, that they probably work in an inbound system where somebody else has been doing the hunting and now they're just getting the phone to ring. It's probably like a lively transfer, usually a lively transfer where someone else has done the marketing to get that phone to ring and that person to be interested in, do, sell, in buying that product. So what's the benefits of being an LOA though? Well, you don't have to, you just answer the phone and sell, right? Right. And you probably either get an hourly rate wage mm-hmm. or I don't know how they get paid. And you probably get insurance. You mm-hmm. probably get social security paid. You yeah, probably so get all that, there's, right? There's a bunch of agents, agencies who do maybe a little bit different, but usually it comes with an hourly rate and usually per application fee for sales. Right. So they're incentivized to actually sell something, not just sit there on the computer and play Minecraft, right? Okay. And then they usually do have benefits. They usually have some dental, some health insurance, you know, they might even have- I've been kids. recruited. I've, I've been recruited by some of these companies yeah. saying, we pay X amount, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. They just usually, because I have my book. Sure. They usually pay for your licensing in non-resident states. They usually pay for your E&O because that's for a business A-Gift. expense to keep you going. If there's an appointment fee, like some carriers charge appointment fees in non-resident states, they usually pay that. And they usually pay for all the leads for you to close. But again, what happens is, Kathy, they own the book of business. It's a job, it's not a, job. a business. Right. It's a it job, a not a business. It could be a career. Not everybody in this insurance industry wants to be self-employed. I get it. I did because I was tired of someone telling me I couldn't be sick. I wanted to be self-employed. I didn't want to have to explain to somebody that I was sick enough to not want to come into work today. Right. That was why I wanted to be self-employed. Everybody has their own wishes and wants. Some people want to get into the insurance industry, Kathy, and they don't want to self-learn from step one. Maybe working for an agency and being trained is a good thing for a year, two or three, why they learn everything. And then maybe they could go out on their own. But here's what they have to know. You don't own that book of business. You're going to give that up. You cannot take that book of business with you. It's not yours. Now, if you're an agency, you need to protect yourself from your LOAs trying to take your clients with them, right? Because I've seen that all the time in Facebook where they're like, well, I want to leave my agency owner, but I think these are my clients who should follow me to my next venture. And I was like, that's not fair. They paid right, for those leads. They paid it. They, they, paid. they paid you a commission. They paid you a salary and they paid for the leads. That Ms. Jones is not your person. You might like her, You might, but it's not fair to try to steal that agency owner who's been good to you all these years and try to take them with you. Just yeah. my opinion. I I totally understand that. But you know, now in California, mm-hmm. 
In California, which I don't live anymore, mm-hmm. it's a different kind of thing because you know how some some places, if you when you come in, you have to sign an agreement that you won't take their the like clients with you. Yeah, you can't can't really do a non compete in California. It's not I, I think really it be called important. a non solicit. Yeah, non solicit. It's really hard in California to like what do you call it? Enforce that. Mm-hmm. Just because the way the laws are, it doesn't mean they won't come after you because they probably have more money than you do, right? Sure. But yeah, because when I was a financial advisor, mm-hmm. we always, you know, we we talked about that amongst ourselves yeah. like, when they do this and they can't really in California. And where I live now, they probably could, but now I'm self-employed. Sure. <laughs> you know? And I was back then too, but it's, it's weird because I was self-employed, but I wasn't mm-hmm. when I first started. But but one of the benefits of being an LOA is you're an employee mm-hmm. and you can go home. You probably don't have your phone ringing at, Joanna, you're not doing this anymore, but I remember when you used to take phone calls at 10 o'clock at night, Yeah, probably not doing that as an LOA, right? That's right. If someone's an LOA, they probably work like nine to five, nine to six, and they probably leave adios on the weekend and don't think about insurance until Monday morning. And they probably do have paid time off on Christmas and New Year's Day. And they probably do have vacation time set aside where they can take a week-long, two-week-long cruise and get paid while they're on the ship, right? Now, exactly. when you and I go on cruises, who's paying us? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's paying us. Just nope. our renewals. Our annuity. Our, our annuity is paying us, mm-hmm. but we're not, paying, we're not making new clients unless we're talking on the phone on the cruise. And I'm not right. going to do that. The phone's not that good on the right. cruise. I have stopped taking phone calls from cruises. I, I did it last Christmas. I was writing applications on Christmas Eve from the cruise ship. And I was like, this is not going to happen again. I'm going to train my clients better. Don't do that. Don't do that. The personality of and the hopes and dreams of somebody who's going to be an employee or 1099, because they could still be LOA in 1099. They don't have to be W-2. They could still be 1099, but licensed only to you. The hopes and dreams and everything is usually different. Their personalities are usually different. When you're looking for someone to help you in your office as a LOA, you want to know what their dreams and aspirations are. You want to know if they're here to just get trained and go on their own. And or you want to know if, you know, they are going to be with you for 20 years. You want to know if they want to hunt and fish on their own. You know, if they want to hunt and fish on their own and they're just going to be with you for six months to a year. You're going to spend a lot of time and not get very much back. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. You're going to spend a lot of time training them for somebody else to reward them. You want to have, I have, I've, I've trained a lot of agencies on this, Kathy. You can have a hybrid where they're LOA for a period of time, maybe the first 100, 200 apps while you train them. And then they stay with you as a 1099 producer, independent producer. Like a downline? or Like a downline. Yes, like a downline. My first mentor, Joe, he did this where Aubrey was LOA to him originally as a 1099. You know, she got paid per application. He did all the funding for the leads and licenses. And then one day, Aubrey came to Joe and said, you know, I think that I want to be independent next year. Can we work out a deal? And Joe worked out a deal where there was a turnover where she became independent and it worked out beautifully for her, you know? So you want to know what someone's hopes and dreams are 
because if they're going to look to leave, you want them to not leave you a hundred percent, right? Because you can have an LOA shop and an external downline. If if they like you and you like them, right? Why not figure out a plan to succeed together in the future? That's what I would do personally. You also want to protect your your clients and your book of business if someone has one foot out the door, because they're probably most likely looking to say, how do I export my CRM, right? And we see this all the time on Facebook groups where they're making client lists and checking it twice. Because again, they think that it's their clients, not your clients. I have notes here on, let's talk about what's required as the agency. So you have to be able to have you have to have an LLC for most carriers to have a downline LOA. You have to usually have an LLC and then some carriers require you to have a promotion level of either a general agency or a managing general agency to have an LOA agency. I know one carrier now What do you that, need a promotion? What do you mean a promotion level? What do you mean by that? Kathy is you as a solo agent are probably a street level agent. Maybe a general agency if your upline really likes you. I have some general agency contracts and probably some street level. I don't even know. For one carrier to give you a general agency contract, you have to have an LLC. Each carrier has their own requirements. Cigna told me until I have my LLC, I couldn't get the general agency and I could not also have a downline. They said, nope, we're not doing it. That probably lit a fire under you when they said that. And then United Healthcare told us that unless you were an MGA, which is two levels above, which requires about 15 agents usually, that you could not have an LOA. So they didn't, they oh, didn't so want to have a downline before you could have somebody working for you. Yeah. Or have 15, you can, you can become an MGA with 15 internal agents too. Internal up, agents. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say I had 15, a call center in, in, in my office and I had 15 bodies, right? But your upline still has to be able and willing to give you that promotion. Does that make sense? Why wouldn't they? If you have 15 people well, working, normally you prob- yeah, because you're probably writing a lot of business. But with if, you, if you today went from Kathy, because we already exposed Kathy for not having her LLC <laughs> for insurance. <laughs> last last and, week, yes. And, let's say your husband decided to get licensed and he was going to be LOA to you. Okay. United Healthcare would say, no, you cannot be LOA because you're not an MGA. You're just a street level agent. Now there is a workaround. You can still assign his commissions to you, right? But he can always unassign them. Oh, so that's truly, not, that's not really yours. Uh, yeah, it doesn't protect the book. So there's little nuances like that. And that's why we were talking in the previous episode about building the LLC out correctly so you can have the next step done correctly, you know? Because if you try to do just work on your own social security number and then build out a downline or an LOA, it's not going to work for many of the carriers. They're going to say, well, you're just Joanna. You can't have an LOA agent for three of these carriers. Could if you were an LLC. Yes. LLC is going to have different requirements than... For several of the carriers, like Cigna. Yep. Cigna said, we need an LLC. United Healthcare says you have to be an MGA. I just went through this with one of my downlines who wanted to bring on some 
help in her office at the very last minute, right? A couple of days before AEP happened. I was like, well, oh my gosh. I said, only a couple of carriers are going to let you do it, you know? And I was like, next time we need a plan for this in January, we have to fix it for her with her, you know? But yeah, we just went through this with somebody and only a couple of carriers let her bring on the LOA agents for a couple of them. So, and then with the LOA, you have to make sure that you can pay them correctly. You have to have a payroll management system. You have to make sure you track their hours. And if you have a deal where they get paid per app and bonus structure, and because that's what usually they want, instead of just sitting there getting $20 an hour for everything, they usually want a bonus structure. Well, I see on Facebook that these agents are getting $600 an app. So where's my... <laughs> Who's getting six hundred dollars an app? Oh, they're talking about like the street first level year, agents. yeah, first year. Uh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. We need a tracking system to do payroll and withhold taxes if you're going to make them W two or if you're going to pay everybody ten ninety nine. So it gets a little bit more complicated. And at that time, you really should have a CPA to make sure that it's done correctly. If you're going to withhold Social Security taxes, they have to be reported correctly to the IRS. Things like that. The CPA in here. We are going to get a CPA. I'm going to go hunt for my CPA to come on. I'm going to beg him. Yeah, because you can't just make people 1099 if you're telling them you've got to be in the office from nine to five. Well, that's the that's the thing with insurance. It, it gets really fuzzy, fuzzy, really fast. Is you're not supposed to delegate hours if somebody's 1099. You're really not supposed to say you have to be in the seat at nine o'clock. Yeah, you can't tell them that they. You can't tell them what to do if they're 1099s, right? You can't tell them that they can't go to the bathroom. You can't That's tell them right. that they can't have PTO. If That's they right. say, hey, the the baseball game is on today, I'm not coming to work. You know, if they say sure. it's snowing outside, I'm not coming in. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell them what to do if they're, you can't tell them how to do their job and when to do their job. I think that gets a little muddy in the insurance industry. And I've seen it all over in the last, since I've been in, since 2016, it seems like a lot of people misclassify employees as 1099 to skirt around it. Yeah. And you um, don't want to get in trouble with the IRS. Yeah. Uh, That's why we I, need an accountant to come in and, and talk about what is an employee, yep. what can an LOA, what can you require an LOA to do or not do because mm-hmm. you can't just... Now, if they're an LOA that you're paying a W-2, you, mm-hmm. can, you can have requirements. But sure. if they're a 1099 LOA, I don't think you can tell them when, when they can work. Usually not, but it's it's pretty common. I mean, we see it all the time on the, on the massive groups that are... I mean, there's a group that's LOA that they log onto the computers when they want and everything, but they still own the book. So there's w- different ways to do the business. They own the book? Yeah. There's a big company that allows you to log in, answer the phone, sell the client, and log out. But they pay you like... Oh, like, you don't own the book. The, the big own the, company owns yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, there's, that's probably correct. Yeah. The way they do it is probably correct. Mm-hmm. And then there is other entities that have the nine to six schedule or 10 to 6, whatever it is. And they're probably an hour lunch break, right? Yeah. So I don't know how they get around it. I don't have a I don't have a bone in that fight. We're not the HR police. We're we're not the CPA police. Listener, you have to do what you think is right. Just to remember though that there are certain things that can put you at risk. I would certainly protect yourself. We call that CYA, cover your 
Assets. Assets. I like that. <laughs> Cover well, your assets. And it really is because one silly mistake could really take away your assets. You know, I mean, insurance, I say this again, we work in the insurance industry. Insurance is all about what? Risk mitigation. That's right. So you got to mitigate your risks on everything, not just your health insurance and life insurance, but business risk as well. And downlines and LOAs, it's all risk. It's all a risk, you know, risk and reward, right? Yep. Now you have a downline. I have a downline. And what made you decide to go that route rather than just doing, you know, and I mean, I can understand now that I'm nearing 600 clients, I'm getting to that breaking point. I'm getting referrals now that I feel like I can't turn them down, but with each new application I write, mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is going to be a lot more work during AEP. I'm only one person. Mm-hmm. How am I going to handle? I'm going to need an LOA next year. Yeah, I think so. So an LOA next year for some people who are like counting with sizable books of business and they need someone to answer the phone and run the prescription reviews and stuff like that. That would probably be someone who doesn't want to hunt and fish, maybe wants to learn from one of the best, you know, and they service the work and you have to make sure that they don't take your client list with you. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. You know, now, would... when my clients call, they do, they do ask for me, my referrals ask for me, mm-hmm. but they know my assistant and she probably spends more time with them than i do and she does not want to be an LO. she does not want to get licensed i have begged her begged her now she is licensed in her state she's licensed in california cuz this last aep i wanted her to be licensed just mm-hmm. in case i needed mm-hmm. her to do the prescription drug plans sure. and it turned out we were fine we did it mostly electronically mhm and we were okay. But, you know, there's always those clients. So she's that, licensed already and doesn't want to get non-resident licenses? She does. She's got a California non-resident license. She's She lives in Utah. Okay. And she doesn't want to, quote, be in sales. She doesn't want to, quote, do sales. She doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't want to do an application. And we've had many, many conversations about this. If In my perfect world, mm-hmm. I would find somebody who doesn't want to do sales, but I can show them how to do a sale without it being salesy, right? For $20 a meeting. I want to pay somebody for their time, whether they make a sale or not, just to to take those appointments that I don't have time to take. That's a good idea. I mean, I don't think she really comprehends that people who are calling you asking for your name specifically is not really a sale. And I never, once I got into Medicare and I really fell in love with Medicare, if you're calling Joanna because somebody told you that I'm the best Medicare agent in the world, you're, it's not, it's not if I'm selling you, Kathy, it's what I'm helping you with. I explain we do Medicare supplements and prescription plans. And that's one way to mitigate your risk. And the other way to mitigate your risk is HMOs and PPOs. Which path do you want to go down? And let's get this application started. And I'm not convincing anybody for to get something that they don't want. I'm not a car salesman where I'm I trying know. to upsell them on packages. You know, I don't, I don't think she might understand that. Once an application is not really the sale, the it's, sale happens in the phone ring. 
by the time when they get to me, by the yeah. time they've spoken to me, by the time I all your videos, them, they, they, my videos, they already know what they want. And I've already been sold on Kathy. Yeah, it's really not a sale at this point. And for me, they've already been sold before they. I have they an made. idea. I have. What's an the idea. idea? What's your well, idea? It's changing her mindset. In her mind, doing the application is the sale, right? We create a non-salesy, non-threat. Your husband is on Medicare, am I correct? Yeah, he is. All right. Does he have a prescription plan? Yes, he does. All right. This is the first person I would assign to her, right? Hi, Lisa, whatever her name is. Can you look up Tom's prescriptions on my CRM? And can you put them in here and then compare plans for me and send it through? Right. She's going to do it because you just asked her to do your husband, right? And she's going to say, well, this carrier well care or Humana or whatever has his drugs for thousands less. We have to now just call Tom. I'm, I'm in sales. Call Tom and explain to him the cost. <laughs> And ask him, do you want WellCare Humana or whatever it is? <laughs> and type in his name. It's actually going to, in my system, it pre-propagates everything. On my I... system, it propagates everything from their client intake on my CRM. And I just have to select a button for which sales period I am in. If I'm in an SCP for Move or OEP, I have to select that. And what date I want to start on. And then... I send them the text or email and I read the special code. That's it. I know. I know. She won't do it. It's, you know, there's a fear part with her though. We could discuss that know. later. There's something going I on know. in I know. You'll have to. She is adamant. She's been with me for, I don't know, 10 years. She, she probably thinks that she's it. not capable of it. But she but is. She is. And most she people, is. most people, once they've watched it a couple of times, they, they go over as technology today. Medicare so insurance easy. world has come leaps and bounds in the last six years. When I came into the insurance industry in Medicare in 2017, I got into Medicare. There was no connection or Sunfire. You had to we were to- mailing. We were. Yeah. Obli- you know how much money I gave yeah. to the U.S. Post Office. Yeah. And I was actually UPSing them. I was driving to get signatures three, four hours away. Oh my gosh! I didn't do that, but I was. I'm like, let me I, mail I this to you. <laughs> but back in 2017, we just had the government website that would give us a, a number to come back to look at the drug list. Right? It didn't have the client's name or no. anything on it. Yeah, it just had 2215, and you had to make sure you wrote down. It was like 15 digits long. It was forever. Yeah, and to make we, sure kept that we, we kept those. We kept those codes for every year. Right, because some people have 26 drugs, and that takes 26 minutes, you know? It was crazy. And, and then we had to go and roll the person on a carrier after we did the analysis on Medicare.gov. But Medicare.gov doesn't show comparisons in very much detail. No, and it's wrong. Oh, you know what? It is wrong wrong a lot of the time. I don't use Medicare.gov anymore. But but yes, that's what I need an LOA for. You know, I need an LOA to take my systems are set up to where by the time they talk to somebody, they pretty much know what they need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just basically taken down their information. That's Maybe really we'll all I need to do. Maybe find one from the show if someone doesn't want to go hunt on their own and they want to be trained by the best. 
Yeah. Give me a call, listener, if you (laughs) are interested. But I'll have to work out with the CPA the legal way to pay you because really what I want to pay, I don't want the person to be paid based on applications. I don't want them to be pressured. And I just need to know if it's legal for me to pay per appointment because that's really how I want to pay somebody is you tell me what your schedule is Mm -hmm. and I will... give, I will put the appointments in that, that schedule. Sure. That sounds, that's what I'm looking for. But, but yeah. And I don't know if right now, if I have enough to make it a 40 hour week, I mm-hmm. probably don't. But, you know, if I didn't have to do these appointments, you know, I probably do 20 hour a week right now. Yeah. Depending on the, depending on the week, right? And it might be <laughs> seasonal. There's, I'm sure there's folks out there who maybe they have other commitments, maybe they are a stay-at-home parent or maybe a college person, and maybe the AEP is around time where they're out of college for the semester or something. I don't know. Maybe they need to work part-time because they have a medical condition. I, I And I've met agents who they they wanted to work, but they couldn't work a job full-time. That might be a, a good opportunity for somebody. They're semi-retired. Or semi-retired. You know? Semi-retired. You know, one of my agents hired an assistant who is retired. The assistant was like, listen, my social security ain't cutting it. You know, I went from making big bucks to now just social security. It's not cutting it, but I don't want to work full time. And I still want to be able to go on a cruise every now and then, you know, and they just wanted extra income. They wanted to work part time, 20 to 30 hours a week. They didn't want to be a Walmart door greeter or anything, you know. And it worked out perfectly for my, one of my downline agencies to hire a part-time assistant. And she lives she lives like a couple houses down from her, you know. It was actually one of her current clients. They were like, hey, you hiring? Because I could do this. I can answer your phones. I can fill out your Christmas cards and stuff, right? So we were talking about the difference between a downline and an LOA right before we got off on a tangent. And you asked me, why did a downline 1099 instead of an LOA shop? And this all comes back to when you are formulating your business plan in your dreams and your future vision of your business. When I was starting to train agents, it was all by mistake. I never once thought I was going to be someone's mentor, but I was giving out all this information from my previous life on, at Social Security. And I had gone through a lot of trauma with not having been trained myself. I had contracted under someone who didn't have any training. And I sat here in Douglasville, Georgia, pretty much crying because I didn't know how to do my job. And it was really before Facebook groups and everything came about. There was no technology. I couldn't go to the carriers during the day when they had their trainings because I was working full-time at the government. And I remember how frustrated I was. And I said, you know, it shouldn't be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard. There must be a better way. And I started helping people because I saw them struggling. I was like, listen, I'm going to pay it forward because folks like Malia Rogers and Becky Jennings and John Lyons answered my little questions on Facebook when I started meeting people. Because I, I would ask Malia, I was like, Malia, how do you look up a DSNP on Medicare.gov? You know, and just little clicks here and there, things like that, right? I would ask and, you know, John Lyons would give me some advice and uh, I would sprinkle my questions. So people were nice to me and I pay it forward. I was training people and giving advice. And people were like, well, you seem like a nice person. How about you train me on everything? I'm like, all right, come along. (laughs) And hundreds of agents later, 
that's kind of how it blew up. I like, it was never a plan where I'm like, going to like, Oh yeah, I want to go get Kathy and I want to go get John. I'm going to go. I never intended to be more than just myself. And why I didn't do an LOA shop is I have a personal disability. I got injured in the military. I have chronic chest pains every morning. Not a lot of people know this, but every morning I wake up with chronic chest pains and some mornings it takes me longer to get out of bed and to just walk. Like some mornings I can't walk until eight or nine o'clock in the morning just to go downstairs. And that's why working from home has been vital for me, especially in the winter when it's rainy and cold and my chest pains are setting in. It's a personal thing that I was like, you know, if if I if my schedule is unknown on whether I'm going to start my appointments at nine or 10, how am I going to manage an office and have people who are sitting there at nine o'clock waiting for me to make the phone ring? I didn't want to be responsible for people to just sit there waiting for me to make the phone ring when I had my own personal health issues going on. I don't schedule myself any appointments before 10 because I know my personal illness. I might be wide awake at midnight answering texts and everything, but the mornings is when my illness sets in. I've, I've learned that. I've, I've had this chest condition since I got hit in the chest in 2005, and I already know my body, you know. Living with a chronic condition, I've learned to work around my disability. I've learned to accommodate myself. Insurance was the perfect calling because I have, I can make my schedule. I can take time off when I feel like it's overwhelming. You know, I took a week off last week to just recuperate after the very busy season. I usually go on vacation before AAP and after AAP. And it's really because I need more rest than the average person. And I try to give myself more rest. Like I might not be able to work 80 hours, 100 hours a week. I usually have to rest, you know. And Kathy, during the day a lot, I've had COVID three times in the last year and a half. Long COVID is not fun. And many of your clients might have COVID and, and COVID symptoms. But there's some days come three, four o'clock where I have to go take a nap and just lay down. I might not fall asleep, but I have to lay down and give myself body to rest so I can keep pushing on, you know. It was a personal decision not to have anybody rely on me at nine o'clock in the morning saying, well, the boss isn't here yet, but we're not going to do anything. And I didn't have the desire to go open up an office that I had to drive to in the mornings. And I also went through another medical condition where I had trouble leaving my house, you know, like our bodies sometimes don't always cooperate, you know, and I made the insurance industry work for me because as long as I have a cell phone and Wi-Fi, I can support myself, right? I'm making more money now than I did working for the government. I'm not filing for disability. I'm not depending on, I don't have a sugar daddy, you know, I don't have anybody to fall back on. Well, I still do sell. Somebody was shocked that I still sell. I was like, yeah, I still always have to sell because I can lose all of my downline in one swoop. And You've seen happened. it happen. That happened to me earlier this year where I lost 100 agents in a month because I didn't protect myself with the thorough enough contract. And sometimes, and I'll say this about contracts, make sure when you do a contract with people that you spell out every possible outcome. Because some of the outcomes we never think about, we no, never think that someone's going to enforce or come due to us, could happen. And that's what happened to me. This past summer, I didn't have much of a downline. And I battled, was in the hospital for a couple of days. And then I had COVID. And thankfully, I had enough renewals to keep the lights on, right? 
And thankfully, I have a couple of people back up to help me train my agents. And that's why I have a partner now. Zach is my fallback to help train the agents and stuff. But I never want an LOA shop because of my illness, Kathy. And I eventually want to go sit on a beach, you know. Eventually, I I, I don't want to sell insurance forever, right? I want to get to the point, you know, in a couple of years where I can be an expat and travel and be like, oh, yeah, I'm calling from... Hawaii again, or I'm calling from Mexico. And that's the life because I'm 41 to give full disclosure. And I don't have any kids. And that's the retirement I've chosen from what my vision is for myself. You know, I want to be able to manage my disability. And that's why I got into my master's originally. My original business plan when I went to school for my master's was a degree that I could do from my bed if my illness got worse. And insurance is now that backup plan because I can do insurance and I've done it. I had COVID in January, 2022, and I couldn't keep my eyes open, but I would respond from bed. I had had my iPad and my iPhone and I was sitting there responding to my customers and filling out applications I could do from bed, you know? And this industry has really afforded me that luxury because it is a luxury, right? There's no wrong way to do this business as long as you do it ethically. It's what do you what is your vision for your business? And we we all became self-employed for a reason. And that reason has to work for you and your family. Very well said. Thanks for explaining that. So you do still write business yeah. and you still make enough on your personal production to like you said keep the lights on. So that's good. Mhm. Yeah, I think it's always important to continue to write business. And, and one of the agents asked me today on training, she's like, oh, you still write? I was like, yeah, how would I know what to do to train you if I didn't ever do it myself? Like, especially because things in our industry are constantly changing, right? Right. How would I know what question to tell you? Oh, your United Healthcare MedSEP is not giving you someone's open enrollment or GI options because you didn't answer this question correctly, you know? I think sometimes people who don't have the experience think that you're competing with them. Mm. You know, there's a lot of competition in our business right now that is unnecessary. One of the reasons I like the Facebook groups is because of the sharing that happens. And I'm happy to share with other people. And I love it when people are sharing with me. I had a question the other day about Medi-Cal in -hmm. California and a whole bunch of people jumped in and answered and it was, it was great. Thank you so much for explaining the differences between LOAs and downlines and, and all of that. You know, for the listener, we're looking to bring on some additional guests to talk to you about different things that affect our businesses. How do they contact you? Oh, how how they can contact me is go to certifiedmedicareagents.com and that way you can be listed on the site. And when someone is searching for a Medicare agent, they can find you. And how can people find you, Joanna? Uh, the best way to find me is joanna at topflightagent.com or if you're a Medicare agent, Medicare Mentors Media Facebook group. and Kathy, if someone wants to be a guest on the show, what email would you want them to send it to? They would send it to info at certifiedmedicareagents.com. Agents with an S at the end? Yes, agents with an S, plural. 
Mine is not plural. So we're different. Yes, <laughs> we are. We are different, but we're still friends. We're yes. different in every way, but still friends. And that's what I love about the insurance industry is I've collaborated with so many people, so many great people like Kathy. You know, Kathy lives close to me in South Carolina, but we're not competitors. Her, The people that call Kathy are not the same people that call me. Kathy doesn't feel like when she shares information with me that I'm going to take any food off her plate, right? She was actually one of the first people to start teaching me some technology earlier this year. We were doing our own, how this how this came about was we were doing our own little mastermind and we sh- she said we should do a podcast. We're giving so much information out. Why are we not recording this? <laughs> and, but she was teaching me about, about technology tools that she uses in her business because she, that's where her expertise is. And I was like, Kathy, like no one ever taught me this stuff, you know? And she's like, we really need to record this and, and, and take it public. That's how this all came about. That's right. We we want to help you grow your business. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to compete with you because we don't think there there is so much business out there. Yeah, there's enough for everybody to eat. There is enough for everybody and we're happy to share. Mm-hmm. Thank A you. Rising and tide raises all 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 levels, right? Exactly. And we want to make the Medicare business a better business. Mm. We want to we want to get rid of the people who shouldn't be in the business mm-hmm. and the the people that should, we want to help them rise. So we hope that you're one of the latter. <laughs> right. Anyway, well, it was a pleasure again. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on the Insurance Business, Business Babes, Babes. podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.